Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the fourth quarter comeback. I am your host, Six Pack Pat O'Connor, back from a little bout with some sickness. If you may be able to hear a little bit of it left in my voice, left in my lungs coming out, I do apologize if it's a little annoying to you, but we are here to bring you the best show. And the we in the we is... My friend, he is the styling, profiling, Pat's fearing, Jets cheering, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun. He is Red Zone Rick. Rick, how are you? I'm good, Pat. Ready to get this jam-packed show on the road. Do you think you can live up to that introduction? Yes. With enthusiasm like that, I don't doubt it. And first up, we have the Idiot of the Week. Let's make it just the idiot of the month and the year because that award definitely goes to former Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, if you've been under a rock, has been released by the Kansas City Chiefs after TMZ released a video showing a physical altercation with a female. Rick, I don't even know what to say for idiots like this anymore. He's on the commissioner's exempt list. He's he's done for a little while. Obviously, he's a young enough back. What is he, 23, 24? He's a young enough guy, and he's talented enough that he's going to get another chance after the time has passed. But it's all coming out now that supposedly there are two other altercations. They're saying that there was one in January... On January 6th, after they lost the playoff game to the Titans, he was in a club and he was involved in somewhat of a group beating. There's videotape. It doesn't prove conclusively that he was involved, but that is the story. There's also another incident supposedly stemming in June when he punched a man in Ohio. So I don't even know what to say for Kareem Hunt. This is just stupid. You're on one of the top teams in the league right now. Obviously, you didn't know that back then, but you are ready to go. You're ready to make a Super Bowl run, and you find out your Pro Bowl running back has done this type of idiotic behavior. The Chiefs were right in cutting him, right, Rick? And what do you just what do you think about morons that get this opportunity of a lifetime in the NFL to play for all this money, be great role models, set their families up for life, and they go out and they can't control themselves in the public and destroy whatever potential. Because his next contract, even when and if he gets signed, his next contract's going to be nowhere close to what he would have made. What do you think? Well, first of all, like you said, he's definitely a fucking idiot. I mean, come on, bro. What the fuck is your problem? You know, how do I always say this too? Like, how do these athletes continuously find themselves in this in these types of situations where like you you end up putting your hands on someone? Like, how does it escalate to that? Like, at what point do you just, you know, party over, that's it, everyone out, you know what I mean? I I don't want to do deal with this. Or, you know, maybe you sometimes you gotta involve the authorities, you know what I'm saying? Look, this person just keeps banging on my door, as was the case with this you know, supposedly with this girl knocking on Kareem Hunt's door and, you know, getting all crazy at the door or whatever the case may be, fine. If that's your excuse, then you didn't have to come out to the hallway. You know, there's other ways of handling the situation from behind the locked door that you are already behind. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, he's definitely a fucking idiot for that. You know, and, and to think that there was no video that was ever going to come out, you know, you're you're in a, an apartment complex in the hallway. That's the thing. You're you're in these places. You know 
that there there's technology everywhere now. Everywhere. If you, anywhere you are, even in the safety of your own home taking a shit, there is a decent enough chance that you're being recorded <laughs> somewhere. Let's be Eagle honest. Eagle Eye the is fact, always watching. Exactly. Big Brother's eyes are on you. The fact that he even went and lied to the team afterwards. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, so, how do you so not you, know that's going to come So out? you're lying to the team because you don't expect there to be a tape. Th- that's the only thing I can think about. You're going to go and you're going to lie and say, well, there's no tape now. So they, there's no tape that's ever going to be found by this time. So they ask you about it. You tell them, no, nothing ever happened. And then, boom, that was your shot out, in my opinion. They were giving you the escape because I still don't think that Kansas City should have released him. I mean, you know, for public opinion and, you know, how it looks. Yeah, of course, public relations. Yeah, definitely. If, you know, if you want to show everyone that you don't support that kind of player, then fine. But somebody else in the league is going to pick him up. You know, my thing would have been to... You know, just let him go through his suspension, let the time pass, and you know, let's try for it. let's try for this again next year. You know, the same core people. It seemed that you know most of the most of his Chiefs brothers still loved him. You know what I mean? And kind of just followed suit with you know we don't do that kind of thing around here. But it didn't seem like anyone hated him. You know what I'm saying? So unless something internally was going on and they already knew about it, and maybe. You know, his so-called brothers didn't really like him. I didn't see them. I didn't see there was a big reason for them to just, you know, kind of jump out of the window and just release him like that. I feel like, though, the the lying is something that pushed them over the edge enough. And I also feel like once they found out, they might know about these other two incidents before they got rid of him. I don't feel like that that just just came out immediately afterwards. So I think it all kind of piled on quickly. And they realized, first off, you're talking about his brothers in the locker room. Half of those guys are going to turn on him halfway through this process. You know what I mean? Once they get home and their wives and sisters and mothers and friends are all in their ear, all this other stuff piles up, all these other tapes come out, other allegations, people are going to start to turn on him. That relationship is going to be soured. So I don't think it was in the best interest for the Chiefs to hang on to him. I think you set a precedent. You make your team above it all. You show we're not going to tolerate this kind of shit, and you just cut bait right now. You get rid of him and you just separate yourself from his name. Unfortunately, you're going into the playoffs now. You're going into a playoff run without your best running option, but they have a couple of other players that can fill in. They're not going to be as good as him, but you weren't going to have Hunt anyway, so might as well just cut him and gear up for the draft. Now you have people like Le'Veon Bell out there if you want to shill out the money for him. I doubt that. I feel like they'll just go into the draft seeking out a top running back and just bring them in, knowing their team is pretty complete. So I look forward to seeing that. Really quick, before we before we even think about moving on, um, I think that we, you know, we say that Kareem Hunt is really young and he might make a comeback, you know, in no time. We might see him just serve his suspension and then eventually somebody will pick him up off waivers. But it might not be that simple anymore with these other two altercations that are coming out now. Now you've built up the track record that you're just, you know, like you just assault people, basically. Well, that's the thing. I I think initially, I believe he was looking exactly. for probably eight to ten weeks. I think yeah. something something along those lines, probably. Because even with the video that's out of him, <clears throat> I think with all three now, to, 
even though the other two aren't completely or the second other video after at the club looked kind of more like a group effort if you want to say what it is um <laughs> the other one there's not entire video evidence or anything like that that he punched the guy in ohio so we have to figure that one out and who knows this is just two things it just happened there could be four five six other incidents we have no idea because this guy and- clearly has a little bit of a temper issue so the fact is, I feel like he is going to be on the hook for at least probably a year. But does after the year, you can't really think that somebody's not going to, especially yeah. in this circumstance, next year, say the Eagles, for example. I'm just using them as a random example. Something like this happens. Jay Ajayi's out. They have no running game. They're making a push for the playoffs. And his suspension comes up. You're telling me they're not going to sign him and bring him in? I just don't see that being reasonable or realistic. They're, somebody's going to bring him in. Washington? Yeah, you think Washington's not going to fucking yeah, bring of, him in? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course somebody will bring him in. But I'm thinking, like, before those other two incidents were out, you know, like, if you just want to compare and contrast, like, the the video that we see of Kareem Hunt compared to the video that we saw of Ray Rice or Joe Mixon or, you know what I mean, any of these countless other people that have committed some sort of domestic violence and are still playing in the league, you know what I'm saying? Kareem Hunt's video wasn't all that bad. You know, the kick looked really well, no, bad. his was it a half-assed Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean, Ray Rice was fucking Mike Tyson. There's a yeah, big difference. You know what I'm saying? But now, with, like I said, with these other two incidents now coming out, now it just looks like you put your hands on people all the time, so... You know, it'll be interesting to see how, how long his suspension is and at what point after his suspension is he picked up because, you know, if it seems like everyone's set, ready to go at running back, maybe yeah, he does. It could be into the next offseason. You're right yeah. there. You're definitely right. I don't see him lasting after that, though. The farthest no. Kareem Hunt is going to have to wait is maybe not next year, but the following off season, somebody will sign him before. And that's that a long time away from football, man. Oh, sure it is. But you know what? He can make great use of this time. This is a fantastic opportunity for him. As you said, it looks like you're just a dude that puts hands on people. Well, now is your, the PR tour starts right now. You need to yep. go to counseling. You need to do all kinds of community outreach. You need to do every damn thing that you can possibly do, assuming you're not facing any kind of criminal charges. I don't think you will, but he's definitely going to have some kind of charges or something to deal with. But he's going to have to do his best to reach out, make sure he's showing that he's growing, he's improving, he's going through some kind of counseling, because that's 100% necessary, and he has to do his best to put everything into helping out the community, helping out the country, bringing out awareness, join the Ray Rice campaign, and you know, make sure everybody knows that he is rehabilitating himself, his mind, and his image. Otherwise, nobody's going to touch this guy. Yeah. I will say, though, you know it got very serious... And, you know, I don't like to make light about these things, but it got very serious when we found out today that he was actually removed from Madden. They actually removed Kareem Hunt from Madden 19. That's how bad it is. So, wow, yeah, you know you really fucked up when EA just pulls your ass out of the game. All right, Rick, next up we have 
a huge upset. Everybody thought that the Saints were unstoppable, both of us included. But the Dallas Cowboys, with potentially the best defense in the league, went on and beat the New Orleans Saints 13-10, to shut their vaunted offense down. It's unbelievable. Drew Brees, 127 yards, one touchdown, one pick, a 71 passer rating. That is terrible. They held the New Orleans backfield to 63 total yards. For a little comparison, Zeke had 76 rushing yards all by himself. And Dak went for 248, a touchdown, and 115 passer rating. And while he wasn't always protecting the ball, he was playing very well. I liked what I saw from Dak. He had a couple of man runs. He was bouncing off some guys for some very key first downs late in the game. I liked what I saw from Dak. The Cowboys are on a four-straight winning streak. They are 7-5 and five atop the NFC East. Rick, the Cowboys, they took down the Saints. What the hell happened? They came in and they shocked everyone by playing good defense. Defense seems to be something of a, you know, a lost cause nowadays in the NFL. And the Cowboys showed that if you got a pass rush, man, they can make some things happen. And all you got to do is play your game, you know. And the Cowboys showed that if they play their game, they're going to be a tough out going forward. Seven and five atop the NFC East, looking like they're going to make a run into the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see. Like you said, Dak, he looked like a man. Dak has 12 critical wins thing. in primetime. Do you realize that? 12 wins in primetime since 2016. All this in critical moments. He's been doing this in critical moments. He's big like, time. And the Cowboys you know? need it the most. You know, we've been talking about Dak all year, last year, how we've all thought that he's regressed. and he's not just the- a slow starter. I think that really is just what it is. I think Dak is going to be a notoriously slow starter. How about Demarcus Lawrence, though? Oh, well, is he a- <laughs> is he gonna get paid or what <laughs> by someone <laughs> i can't imagine jerry's gonna let him out the building but if he doesn't i know your team the jets i know the colts and i know a few others that will gladly give him a big payday dallas had it all working that night you know they came out they fired on all cylinders you know what i'm saying i love chris and- richard too from seattle he's a defensive backs coach i think he's a special assistant defensive something or other some special title that guy's going to be a head coach he should probably be their next head coach I like the idea of having an offensive coach there but you know what I like Chris Richard he gets him fired up he's got a good scheme he's got that defensive backfield playing way above their pay grade right now as much as I like Byron and I like these other guys he has Lewis all these guys playing very well. And uh, that is a big product of the pass rush, but it's all coming together perfectly. I feel like he is a very good defensive mind right now. And what does this do for you in your mind about the Saints? How do you feel about the Saints after this? I mean, it doesn't really drop drop it off that much. I was looking at the stats, looking back in history a little bit, and honestly, the last time the Saints and Breeze had a bad enough game like this where they haven't scored in the first half like that, and all that was actually against the Cowboys, I think, four or five years ago at AT&T. So maybe it's just one of those things. This one team kind of has their number a little bit. Slightly different team, obviously. But I just think the Saints had a really off night on a Thursday night. I feel like they're going to come back strong. 
I don't feel like many people are going to be able to shut down their offense. Many, not any though, because defense is making a comeback. And wouldn't it be something if after all the talk of all the offenses, all the touchdowns, and all the yards being thrown, that it's actually defenses in the end that come out ahead. And as usual, defenses win championships. Rick, what do you think? Well, uh, I think that defense can win you championships. It's just going to be a new style of defense, not a defense that we're used to seeing. Oh, absolutely. We're not going to get the Baltimore Ravens. You know, you're not going to get too much yardage at all during the game defense. Now you're going to see defenses keying more on trying to get the turnover or make the game-changing sack. I think you're going to see offenses put up a lot of points and still gain a lot of yards, but it's going to come down to that defensive play. Who can make that defensive play that's going to you know, really change the outcome of a game? That could certainly be it. And the Cowboys, man, they are looking good. They're they're running away with some things there in the East. I mean, the Eagles are moving up right behind them, but I feel the Eagles are still just a wild card team. Dak has been sacked 46 times. That's the most in the league. So that should show you something. His offensive line is not what it characteristically has been the past few years. So Dak, a lot of people shit on him, but he is coming in in the clutch, and especially now that he has a weapon in Cooper, who's kind of an asshole and quit on the Raiders, so fuck Amari Cooper. That's my official stance now, but I like Dak. Dak is performing, and I feel like him and Zeke are going to be able to propel this team far enough to the playoffs where the Cowboys will be suffering and complaining that they didn't fire Jason Garrett in the offseason yet again. Rick, next up, we stay in Texas, the great football state of Texas. We go over to Houston, who just lost its owner recently, but they have not lost many games recently. They are on a nine-game win streak. They are 9-3, and the Houston Texans. Their defense is getting better by the week. You've got McKinney, Matthew, Watt, Clowney, Cunningham, all these guys. They are playing very well right now. They're stepping up. They're tackling machines. They're getting turnovers when necessary. They're getting a lot of quarterback pressure. Watt, as usual, one of the best, if not the best, edge rushers in the league. Deshaun Watson, he's looking good. He's developing quickly. While his stats aren't quite what they were before in his big breakout campaign, you can see it's working out in other areas. He's picking apart coverage. He's noticing the blitzes. He's calling out all these things. He's running the game a lot better. You see his development. You saw how he played at Clemson. You see him bringing it into the league. I like how Deshaun Watson is improving game by game. Hopkins, 1,100 yards. He's a top five receiver. He's just one of the best. He's going up. He's manhandling people. He's mossing people, going right over their shoulder, snagging the ball. Why are the Houston Texans being so ignored? Nobody is talking about the Houston Texans. Nobody. We're going to talk about them right now because I think they are possibly the most disrespected team in the league right now with a potential to go to the Super Bowl. So they are right there. They could potentially get the first round by in the AFC playoffs, depending on how things shake out. Rick, Why is Houston not being talked about, and are they deserving about being talked about more? Uh, I love Houston. I like Houston a lot. 
Houston's a good team. You they got already a great downgraded defense. from love to like in about a second there, so I feel like this <laughs> isn't going to end well. <laughs> I think that the reason that they don't get any respect is is that because they're not doing it the flashy way. You know, they're not scoring a ton of points. You know what I'm saying? It's not, you know, high-flying, you know, fucking run-and-gun air raid offense that we're seeing from the Rams and from the Chiefs and and the Saints. And, you know, it's not it's not appealing to everyone right now. It's nine games, so it's it's something to be said for that. But, again, if you look at the opponents they've played, like I'm, I'm thinking right now, just off the top of my head, their best win was against the Cowboys. They beat uh, the Cowboys. They beat the Colts. Um, they beat uh, the Jags, I, right? They, these are all. They had a really close teams. season opener against the Patriots. They, they've got some decent games. They've lost to the Giants. So you know, the Bears. They lost to the Titans. Like, they, they listen, they don't have appealing wins. They got some pretty bad losses. They're a good team. They're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to go too far, though. I don't think they're going to go too far. Maybe first round. They get past the first round. They get to the second round, but I don't see them going past the second round. That defense is great, but like I said, you know, it's about the key play. So we're going to be able to see soon who's going to make some key plays. I just don't see Houston making a, a run like that. I still think Kansas City and the Patriots are favored to see each other in the championship game. I don't see any room for Houston right now. See, I, I don't know. I just, things bother me about Houston, for sure. I don't really love Bill O'Brien as a coach, but actually I do. He was my uh he was my parting shot a few weeks ago. He said fuck you to the Broncos coach. So actually Bill O'Brien's okay by me. But <laughs> they have a shitty offensive line. They've allowed forty one sacks on Watson. That's not what you want to see. Watson's gotta be able to air the ball out if you want to succeed in Houston. They have a weak running game with Lamar Miller and Albert Blue. That is overachieving right now. Lamar Miller's 876 yards. It's kind of just smoke and mirrors and a couple of big runs. And his three touchdowns, obviously nothing to write home about. So there are weaknesses for sure. Now, with Will Fuller going out, they traded for Demarius Thomas. He hasn't really shown up entirely yet on the yardage mark, but he is there as one hell of a decoy. Deshaun Watson to Hopkins. A couple of other receiving options in QT and Demarius Thomas. A passable rushing game and a really damn good defense that has potential to shut down any offense. Because they have a pass rush, they have a good secondary, and they have very good talent at tackling at the linebacker core. I'm not sure what else you really need to ask for from the Texans. You know what I'm saying? I understand they're not the Super Bowl favorite, but they could just as easily be in the running as any other team in the AFC right now. That is my firm belief, and I just can't believe that nobody is talking about them. Everybody talks about the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Patriots. 
They even talk about the Chargers. They talk about the Ravens a little bit more. The Colts are on the come up. Everybody skips over the Texans. I really do not understand why. I think the Texans can make a lot of noise. And if they beat the right team at the right time in the playoffs, then they might get a good enough path. They could get to the Super Bowl. I like Houston. They're not my pick, but I do think they have every capability. With what I've laid out here, they have enough talent to go far enough. One game after the first round. And now, Rick, we get to a little house cleaning around the NFL. We made our predictions earlier in the year about what coaches were on their hot seats, and now we know that have been ejected from those seats. <laughs> Recently this week, the Green Bay Packers, very unceremoniously and uncharacteristically for them, fired Mike McCarthy. They fired him after a 20-17 home loss to Arizona. Let that sink in. The two-win Arizona Cardinals went to Lambeau Field, and they beat the Green Bay Packers. McCarthy had a 135-85-2 record. He won a Super Bowl for them, albeit eight years ago. Listen, he did not get along with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers couldn't stand him. Rodgers was changing plays here and there. That relationship was fractured. It was poison to the organization. A complete fresh start needed to happen. Rick, you did not think that McCarthy was going to be fired this year, and I did. Got this one right. And why do you think that McCarthy got fired? And do you think it was the right time to let him go right now? I mean, you you suffer a bad loss like that. There's there's really like no saving. You know, no saving your job. So I can't disagree with the Packers letting him go. Um, like you said, his relationship with Aaron Rodgers is fractured. It, it was just a bad scenario for both of them, and it was time to make a change. You know, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and his time is ticking. And I feel like McCarthy McCarthy's offense got stagnant, and it just wasn't doing the job anymore, and it was time to make a change. It was evident after you lost to the Arizona Cardinals that it was time for a change. You know, the Cardinals are going nowhere fast. And, you know, you lose to a team like that when your playoff hopes are in the brink. You know, it's like, come on, man, get it together. That can't happen. It was time to go. I feel like it was the best time for this to happen. Maybe not for the team as far as tanking goes because you know you're not making the playoffs at this point. This really needed to happen a couple of weeks ago when the playoffs was still a potential and they could have made a run, but now it's out of the question. So even if you go on a run, you're not going to finish anywhere where you're going to get into the playoffs. So that part of it doesn't make sense to me. You kind of half-assed pulled the trigger, you know, but... You might as well get McCarthy out of the building, let him go do his own thing, let him get his resume set up for the Browns, which he seems to be in love with, and see what you have in-house. Obviously, in-house Joe Philbin is not the answer, but he is your interim coach right now. But maybe you could see any other talent from other coaching situ- from other coaches on the roster. I don't feel like they're going to stick with anyone there. They're going to go outside and hire someone like a DiFilippo or Lincoln Riley or any of these other hot offensive names out there. I just don't see them 
really doing anything. So, what the hell, might as well get rid of McCarthy and try to salvage Aaron Rodgers for his mental stability. Give him something that he wants, you know, show him that he's important. Because as we know, Aaron Rodgers over the past season or two hasn't felt that he was, that he he felt like he was taken for granted, kind of, by the front office. So in this new age NFL that we're seeing change before our eyes with this offensive explosion and things like that, um, do you think the Packers' style of, like, developing players in-house is, like, not going to work anymore? No, I don't think – no, no, I don't think that's true. I think they need to hit better on – young receivers earlier on they have guys like Equinemius St. Brown I like him a lot but he's not going to develop quick enough to be the top impact receiver they need to bring in someone like a first round talent and put him opposite of Devontae Adams and have one hell of a passing attack you need to go bring in someone that's going to make a huge difference that Rodgers can stretch the field. He can extend the play and stretch the field. That's going to give Jones in the backfield, which finally they might be able to run him a little bit better now that he'll have a full season, maybe next year. The Packers can still put this thing together. They're not there yet, but they can put it together. And I don't feel like their whole way of doing things is necessarily an outmoded, outdated system. That said, yes, they are going to have to dive into the free agent market. If they have the money, they're going to have to spend, but I think more of that money is going to have to go on the defense. Just draft some young rookies at the skill positions so Rodgers can get them moving and take advantage of those young legs and eager minds and bring in some talented players on defense that can help keep the opposing team scored down because Rodgers is going to win it for you if you have a chance and Mason Crosby's probably got to go he's he's missed his fair share of field goals this year I think it's probably time they get another kicker in there too from one fired coach to another how about Hugh Jackson we didn't get to talk about Hugh last week so let's talk about him a little bit real quickly right here Hugh got fired no surprise there we both called that one everyone in the world called that one But Baker, he was not feeling Hugh after uh, the Cincinnati-Cleveland game. Hugh came in, gave him a little handshake, pulled him in for a hug. Baker really wasn't feeling it, kind of pushed him away. He said something afterwards saying, we have people we believe in calling plays now, so clearly a shot at both Hugh Jackson and probably Todd Haley. Baker's been pretty outspoken against Hugh Jackson where do you stand on this whole issue, Rick? Do you do you think that Hugh was in the wrong for going to Cincinnati? Because clearly those players hold that against him. Do you think Baker was in the wrong here? What do you think? Are you fucking kidding me? Hugh Jackson in the wrong for accepting a job after he got fired? I get paid to ask the questions here, Rick. That's all. I, I agree with you. That's a fucking joke. That is a joke. And that's Baker Mayfield looking for some way to be relevant right now. Okay? That's Baker Mayfield looking for, you know, a storyline for his little bullshit motivation, like people like to say, because that's complete bullshit. All right? The guy got fired from the Browns. Okay? And he went back to the Bengals. Okay? That... There's nothing wrong with that. 
oh, he was in our locker room, you know, trying to get us to play for him, and now we got to now he went to another team that's going to play us two times a year. So fucking what? By that logic, he did he did that to the Bengals technically first. <laughs> you know, he came from the Bengals, so that's a, like you said, it really makes no sense at all that whole line of thinking. It's not like he went to the Ravens or the well, I mean that would make sense too, but he didn't go to the Steelers. You know, he went back to the Bengals, and he went back to the Bengals to work for Marvin Lewis. And it's also a pretty calculated decision on his part. Not only did he go back home, so to speak, not only did he go to work with his friend, probably his best friend in the league, but he also went to work with his friend that he knows is on really, really thin ice and is very likely to be fired. So when he gets fired, guess who's first in line to get an interview? Good old Hugh. So this might be the only team in the entire league that would consider giving Hugh Jackson another head coaching job. So he is not stupid. He is not to be blamed at all for taking this opportunity to join his friend, to rejoin his old team, and to go to a place that has a very decent chance of hiring him as a future head coach. So, Baker, do whatever you need to prop yourself up, psych yourself up, and make yourself feel better that you played like shit while Hugh was there. Hugh, I think the bigger problem was that Hugh went on this world tour where he was doing all these interviews right after he got fired, and he was talking a lot of shit about a lot of people, and was basically bitching and moaning that he didn't get to do what he wanted to do, and then he was fired, so he didn't, he had a lot of sour grapes. So I feel like that might be what a lot of people didn't like about what Hugh did, really. I don't know. I don't really like what anyone did, but you can't blame Hugh for taking the job. Rick, trending down this week, we have the Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, they just snuck by the Jags three weeks ago. They looked absolutely inept versus the Denver Broncos in a 24-17 loss where there were a lot of drops, a lot of miscues, and just a lot of bad plays. And this most recent loss came to the L.A. Chargers in a 33-30 loss where they lost running back James Conner who they initially feared just had a little bit of a contusion, no big deal. But now it seems like his ankle is a lot worse than initially thought. He's definitely going to be out versus Oakland this week. They should still be able to beat Oakland. If you can't, well, you got bigger problems. They're losing pretty badly here. The Ravens are right on their tails. They're 7-5. and five. They have a three-game win streak. The Steelers are trending down. Are you worried for the Pittsburgh Steelers going forwards, going to the playoffs? Just a little bit. Like you said, they've been trending downward. They're not looking good right now. You lose Connor. Like you said, they can beat Oakland. We're not worried about Oakland. But going forward beyond that, if Connor's going to be out, I don't know. I, it worries me just a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Ben Roethlisberger hasn't been looking too good. Like you said, they squeezed out a win against Jacksonville, but he looked like shit. All right? He he ran the ball in and he won the game. But other than that, he was looking pretty bad out there, you know? And that seems to be the sentiment with this team. You know, they go on a little on a little run after their initial losing streak. They go on a little run, and here we are again, you know? Like I guess it hit twelve o'clock and the ball is over, Cinderella. Yeah, there's just no consistency at all right now in Pittsburgh, and that's a problem. I've got to feel like they're regretting not giving a little bit more to Le'Veon Bell. I really have to say it because 
they thought they were riding high, and as soon as, like you just said, the 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 clock chimed and it was twelve, and they knew that Le'Veon Bell couldn't show up anymore, this team turned into a pumpkin. Yeah, they beat the Jags, but after that, it was shit. They lose to the Broncos. They lose to the Chargers. They're not looking good against the AFC West. They have another AFC West team this week, but and the Raiders looked very solid actually against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't be shocked if the Raiders took it to them. I don't think the Raiders are gonna win, but they're gonna make it more of a competitive game than people think. So I'm looking at this and I'm very worried for the Steelers with Connor out. And let's be honest, Connor was not doing that well for the past few weeks before he went out. I think that he finally got put in the spotlight, and he has stage fright. Once he had that whole thing, that whole specter of Le'Veon Bell hanging over his head, there was almost something that he could just fall back on. Now there's no safety net. Now it's all him and his dumbass haircut, and he needs to follow through. All right, Rick, here we have our fourth quarter comeback, Fantasy. Starts and sits. We are most likely in fantasy playoff season. Good luck to all of you once again, unless you're playing me. That goes out to a couple of people out there. Rick, here are my starts and sits for the week. I would say sit Gus Edwards. Listen, he's a good yardage back for Baltimore, but he has limited touchdown appeal. With Lamar Jackson on the field, Lamar Jackson is going to vulture some, if not all, of those goal line short yardage touchdowns. So, Gus Edwards, if you're running, if you're getting enough points from him that you feel comfortable to start him, okay, disregard my advice. That's fine. If you're desperate for a flex, go for it. There are a lot of different scenarios happening. A lot of running backs are dropping like flies. So you need to start who you need to start, but his touchdown appeal just isn't there. My first start is Tyler Boyd. A.J. Green is done. They kept rushing him back. I feel like they pushed him too much. I wonder if that was Marvin Lewis trying to save his job. That is a real worry of mine. I feel like Marvin Lewis was going balls out and just forcing A.J. Green out there just because he knows he's on thin ice. That said, Green is out for the season. Tyler Boyd is the man. Driscoll, he's a competent enough quarterback. He's able to make some plays, and they have some decent matchups against the Raiders and the Browns in the coming weeks. So if you have Tyler Boyd, he could be a very valuable wide receiver two, a definite wide receiver three, and a solid flex play going forward for your fantasy playoffs. My next sit is Emmanuel Sanders. He has done shit since Demarius Thomas left. It has been the opposite effect of what everyone thought was going to happen when they traded him. Case Keenum's a joke. The Denver passing attack is a joke. There's just nothing good happening there. Emmanuel Sanders is just not worth it. Obviously, if you have him on your roster, you're probably going to be likely to start him somewhere as a two or a three. I don't like it. I would stream someone, find a good matchup, look what you can, because as I told you very, very early on in the season, I was one of the first people on him. Philip Lindsay is the guy. You've got a new number 30 in Denver. I am not happy about it, despite my sounding excited. Fuck Philip Lindsay, but he is the man. That is what's happening. Sit, Emmanuel Sanders, and start Chris Godwin. 
He is going against the Saints, and we know what Tampa Bay did to the Saints the first time they played, albeit completely different circumstances. The Saints were not the Saints. We had Fitzmagic going insane. This week, you'll have Jameis Winston. We're not sure about Deshaun Jackson's injury just yet, but Chris Godwin has been lighting up very well. He's scoring some touchdowns, putting up over 100 yards past couple of weeks. I like Chris Godwin. He's going to be able to give you some good stats against the Saints. Now a little bit of fantasy advice. Just make sure in the playoffs you are not overthinking yourself. You are starting your studs. Do not sit your studs because you have a bad matchup. That's just stupid. You have to give yourself a chance to win the game. The studs are the guys you never sit. But... For the rest of your roster, you've got to play your matchups. You have to look at who you're playing. At this point of the season, you know what defenses are good and which ones are weak. So if you are playing a healthy defense like Chicago, Dallas, or someone else, you may want to sit that person and stream a better option in their place. Make sure you are setting yourself up for fantasy success. One way to not set yourself up for fantasy success is if you are a commissioner that is an asshole and goes out of his way to set up a fantasy season that ends in week 17 no respectable commissioner or any league should end in week 17 because how are you going to feel when you get there it's a championship game and someone like Todd Gurley or one of the main players that's already clinched all they need to do is sitting on your bench it's bullshit fantasy should not run to week 17 week 7 week 16 championship is the way to go that is my fantasy advice from the fourth quarter comeback and six-pack pat and now rick we are here at our fourth quarter comeback power rankings of the week rick i'm gonna shock the world here you have the floor rick who are your teams five to one let's hear them at number five this week i'm gonna go ahead and concede to you pat that's it they uh they cracked my top five going to have the Los Angeles Chargers 9 and 3. They just beat the Steelers to give themselves a really really credible win in my eyes away. It was on the road. That's a good looking win for them. I like the Chargers right now. I like what they're doing. Philip Rivers is playing out of his mind. So, they cracked my top 5 this week. That's my number 5 team, the Los Angeles Chargers. My number four team is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. They take a big hit this week losing Kareem Hunt. I still think they're going to be one of the better teams in the league right now going forward into the playoffs. I still expect them to make a strong push. I still think we're going to see them in the AFC Championship game versus my number three team, uh, the New England Patriots. The Patriots take a leapfrog over the the Chiefs. They also beat them head-to-head before earlier in the season, as we already saw. So I like what the Patriots are doing right now. They're gearing up for their annual December-January run that they usually make. So they're looking pretty strong right now. Number two, we're going to have the Saints coming off of that loss to Dallas. They're still top two in the league. That offense is too prolific to be stopped. I think that what we saw the other day was just an aberration, and they're going to come back to life. Coming up this week, we'll see a big performance from Drew Brees, I think. Mike Thomas, I look for Kamara and Ingram, everybody to get back on the horse, and I think they continue their run into the playoffs. And number one, the Los Angeles Rams. Let's talk about it, Pat. Who's going to stop the Rams? 
In the playoffs or in the regular season? <laughs> Anywhere. Well, that's uh I can give you a couple of options here. I, I will I will gladly answer your question and respond to your number one with my list, and we can talk about it. <laughs> Six pack pat power rankings are as follows. Number five, the LA Chargers. They are my AFC Super Bowl choice. I told you before, you're underestimating the Chargers. I told you. They're coming back. They still, still have not put their entire team together. With Melvin Gordon, you didn't even mention that. With Melvin Gordon out, they took down the Steelers. So, they have not even put their whole team together just yet. They're going to come together at the right time, just as the playoffs are happening. Philip Rivers, I see it in his eyes, his beady little nine children having Mormon-assed eyes. He is on a mission. He is going to rip out the bolo tie, go to town, he's going to work, and he wants to be the Super Bowl champion so he's not the other guy when mentioned in conversation with Roethlisberger and Manning. I like the Chargers. They are my number five team. My number four team is going to shock you here, Rick. They are the already division-clinched 11-1 L.A. Rams. That's right. The two L.A. teams are my number four and five. The Rams are at number four. You ask, how can I put probably the top team in the league at number four? Easy, because I still like the Saints ahead of them. I feel like the Rams can falter a little bit along the way, especially if they're feeling themselves too much and they start resting some people. I could see some things happen and they stumble a little bit. I could see the Rams still losing that home field advantage. They only have a one-game advantage over my number three team. That's right. The Saints are my number three team. The 10-2 and two Saints, they stumbled against the Cowboys. I still think their offense is damn near unstoppable, but not completely unstoppable. Their defense, they play pretty well. They've come together very, you know, solidly over the season, but they're not great. So I like the Saints because I feel like they can still beat the Rams. That's why they're over them. They have beaten the Rams at home. I feel like the Saints can beat the Rams just overall. I like the Saints better than the Rams. So that's an answer for your playoff question. If it's the Rams and the Saints, I still like the Saints. Even in L.A. Is it a lot more dangerous for the Saints in L.A.? Of course. But I still like the Saints in L.A. Now, Rick, you've known me long enough. I, I had an epiphany recently. I oh, pondered. I pondered. And I sat there. And I just, I thought and I thought and I said, you know what? Holy shit. How have I not opened my eyes and seen the light. How have I not seen what is going on in the world of football around me? Of course. Of course I know what's going on. We all know that the universe would love to give a huge kick in the ass because it's the only way these things tend to go. They're going to give me a big kick in the ass. They're going to give Raider Nation a big kick in the ass. They're going to give Gruden a big kick in the ass. And everybody else. My number two team, despite losing 
to the horrible, but offensively pretty damn good, New York Giants. My number two team is the 8-4 and four Chicago Bears. They are going to run away with the NFC North. And despite their stumbles, and despite Trubisky being out right now, they are going to be able to win that division, get a home divisional game, and they are going to push forward and get a big win and get into the second round of the playoffs. The Bears, who will pick up where they left off, and they play the Rams this week, Rick. That is one of the teams that I was going to say in the regular season may be able to stop the Rams. Because why? I believe it. I'm a believer in defense. You know me all my life. I love offense. But I'm a defensive guy. The Bears' defense could potentially do to the Rams what the Cowboys' defense did to the Saints. So... Bears, they could stop the Rams in the regular season. Bears, they could stop the Rams in the postseason. The Bears are my number two team. And just for the final coup de grace to kick us right in the ass, the number one team on my power rankings are the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have put it together at the right time. They are on a winning streak. They have the running back, the quarterback with the grit, the asshole receiver who's trying hard now on his new team. They've got enough little supplemental pieces around them. While the offensive line isn't blocking for Dak very good, I feel like they're going to step it up in the playoffs, and their defense is the tops. You saw what they did to the Saints. You saw what they can do overall. They've got the pass rush to change the game. Randy Gregory's an idiot. That's the only reason the Saints even remotely had a chance, even though some of the ref calls were pretty fucking ridiculous in that game. It doesn't matter. The Cowboys, their defense is on fire. The offense is solid enough to get it done. Running championship, defense championship. That's how you win championships in this league. The Bears are number two. The Cowboys are number one. Why? Because I should have seen the light as a Raider fan. Raider Nation, we are cursed. The league hates us. The universe hates us. We will be scooping up our very late draft picks come April. The Bears and the Cowboys are the top teams. They will be in the NFC Championship game playing each other after both defenses shut down the Rams and the Saints in the playoffs. There's my power rankings, Rick, and that is the way it's going to be. From Six Pack Pat, those are your fourth quarter comeback power rankings. Got anything to say? That was the biggest crock of shit I ever heard. You're the biggest crock of shit I have ever heard. The Cowboys. Oh, the Cowboys. You scoffed at my Chargers. You scoffed at the Chargers when I said that before. But now, oh, who's made your top five all of a sudden? The Cowboys. The Cowboys are coming up strong. They've got Amari. He's going out of his mind right now in Dallas. He's a, I don't want to go off on Amari Cooper right now. This is going to be another half hour onto the show. Their defense is playing insane. Jason Garrett's an idiot. He's just going to clap his happy ass along the sideline, get out of the way, and let the team do what they have to do. And they're going to win games all the way through the damn playoffs. And, oh, it just gives me a migraine. It gives me a migraine to think about. But the Bears and the Cowboys are both going to give us very shitty draft picks in exchange for Mac, in exchange for Cooper. I should have seen the light a long time ago, Rick, and I have seen it. And this is what it is. I should have known better. And here we are. So, 
Chargers, Rams, Saints, Bears, Cowboys, NFC looking strong in my power rankings. Chargers are in there because Chargers are winning without Melvin Gordon. The Chiefs, they almost blew it against the Raiders. They almost let the Raiders come back and actually win that game. And that's without Kareem Hunt. They're not going to have Hunt going forward. Chargers will have Gordon. I like the Chargers better. The Chargers, you you laughed at me. I'm telling you, watch. The Chargers are going to sneak up. They play the Chiefs. I think they're going to beat the Chiefs. The, they both play the Ravens. I feel like the Ravens could take out the Chiefs, and the Chargers should be able to beat the Ravens. Chargers still very much have a chance to win the AFC West. Those are my power rankings, Rick. You can stay with your chalk. I'm going to stay with my real-world experience, and this is what I believe. Thank you very much, everyone. That is our show. Thank you for coming back and listening to the Fourth Quarter Comeback. We are very happy to be back on air and bringing you the most fun, exciting, and insightful fantasy and real football podcast in the world. I am Six Pack Pat O'Connor. He is Red Zone Rick. You can find us on Twitter at 4QC Show. You can find me on Twitter at Six Pack Pat with the number six. You can find Rick at Rick Red Zone. Rick Red Zone, where you can find Rick's picks if you want to be in the money. You can also find us on our Facebook page at For the Fourth Quarter Comeback. Thank you again for listening. We are happy to bring you this show, and we look forward to talking next week. Everybody enjoy the football this week, and it is now time for our parting shot. Seems we finally found a white receiver, Bill Belichick actually does not love, and that is Adam Thielen. Eh, he'll be playing for him in three years. Woo!